This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. Hey, if you're listening online, part of our online family, thank you so much for joining us today. We're super glad you're with us, and thanks for all of you who are here in person on this really great day, Father's Day. We want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Now, we also understand that for many people, Father's Day is not always a happy day. There are those who are uh, missing their dads because they've lost them recently. There are those who maybe didn't have a good opportunity to have a relationship with their fathers growing up. Or there may be some dads who just feel like they failed at some of the big major times of being a dad. And so earlier this morning at 930, we met out in the diner area with folks who just wanted to come in and have some extra prayer. And if that's a need that you have and you weren't able to make it this morning, please let us know. And we'd love to join you in prayer for anything like that going on in your life, especially as we walk through special days like this one. Now, I also want to give you another celebration note as we kick into gear this morning. We're so excited that this whole past week, uh, Marcia, our kids director, took some of the kids from crew and they joined up with Refuge Church down in Manor and did vacation Bible school all week. We wanted to report that to you, that it was a great week of sharing Jesus with a whole bunch of kids. And so when you see any of our kids who may have been there or if you see Marsha, thank her. They had a great week. And I want to tell you that it was a yay God week all week long. Hey, as we get going this morning, I also want to tell you we have a very special guest preacher today. Uh, some of you know him already. You've seen him uh, here. He was with us our very first, the very first time we met as Grace Collective. He sat right down here in the front rows. Uh, today he is joined by his wife. This is uh, Reverend Dr. Chris Marshall, his wife Nancy. And you've seen uh, him on a video with me uh, in one of my messages about a month and a half ago. But you may not know his whole story. Uh, he'll share that with you another time. But just know this, that 20 years ago, Chris and Nancy planted a brand new church in Saxonburg, Pennsylvania called New Life. And they are knocking it out of the park. They are doing what the name of the church says. They are bringing new life in the name of Jesus, one life at a time, but now to thousands of people uh, all around the Saxonburg region. In fact, there are like three quarters of Saxonburg, I think, are in your church. And they have also started what's called New Life Network. Grace Collective, we are a part of New Life Network. I think we were the first church to sign on the dotted line. Uh, it's a growing uh, network of uh, churches that are biblically minded and want to reach our entire area, our entire country, and the entire world for Jesus based on biblical values. And so that's what we're doing, and we're so thankful that uh, Pastor Chris is ready to be here and bring the message for us this morning. In a moment, um, we're going to bring him up and you can welcome him then, but let me pray us in before the bumper starts. Father God, thank you so much for who you are today. Lord, we pray that as we celebrate Father's Day, that our greatest attention and right now intention would be placed upon you. Father, we want so much to recognize you for who you are and to be reminded today that whether we had a good earthly father or not, whether we have succeeded or failed at being fathers or not, that whether we've lost our father recently and we're still in that grieving at, at that such loss, that you are a really good, good father and you love us with an unconditional love, a love that never gives up and never gives in. And whether we, we accept you or not, you're always pursuing us. And so today we recognize who you are as a good, good father and we give you praise and glory for it. 
Lord, we, we offer Pastor Chris to you. We offer our in-person, online families to you, that as we meet in this place and walk into your word together, that you would get the glory and you would show us things today that we've never known before, and you would be transforming us in the process. So, Lord, all of this is yours. We commit this to you and pray this, Jesus, in your holy name. And all of God's people said, amen. Good morning. morning. I'm so grateful and excited to be here this morning. As Pastor Rich said, the first time I was here was the first time you all were here. I sat right there next to Marsha, and we had the opportunity to hear Pastor Rich cast that vision for a church that connects people to Jesus. What is it? Everywhere. Everyone, everywhere, every day, right? Okay, so, and, uh, and so now we're here, here today to celebrate Father's Day and to celebrate that we have a good father. I think it would only be right that I would share one dad joke before I start. Okay, how about this? What did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? Supplies. Okay. Uh, let me explain one more thing before we get going this morning. Um, I'm wearing a sports coat and a tie. I don't do that ordinarily when I preach. I look more like Rich would ordinarily look when I preach. But this is Father's Day. And for many, many years, I always wore a suit on Mother's Day to honor the memory of my mother, who was a godly woman, who was the first person ever told me about Jesus. And uh, she's been going for 31 years in heaven. And uh, about five years ago, I realized something. I never wore a sports coat, a tie, a suit, anything to honor my dad. Now, my dad, as Pastor Rich just said, not every dad is, was a great dad. My dad wasn't a great dad, but in fact, he didn't even know Jesus until two years before he died. But my dad taught me some very important truths. He taught me to work hard. He taught me to show up every day. He taught me to always tell the truth. And he taught me to help people that can't help themselves. As a result of that, about five years ago, I started wearing the sports coat and tie in honor of my dad, memory of my dad, on Father's Day, because I wanted wanted to say thank you to him for the, the good things that he basically put in my life. You know, the foundation of my life is Jesus, and then my parents came uh, into play, and my mother, as I said, to- told me about Jesus, showed me Jesus, and then my dad, um, he showed me how to work hard and how to be... A decent person. Let's put it that way. My dad was a good good man before he came to know Jesus as his Savior and Lord in the waning years of his life. So a couple weeks ago, Pastor Rich kicked off this series, Just Jesus. You're talking about the book of Galatians all summer. And uh, as we're going to do, what, what he did was talk about, uh, talk about the Apostle Paul, the, the author of the letter. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the Galatians. A group of people who trusted Jesus as their Savior and Lord in a town that's in modern-day Turkey. And as we look at that, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you like to get letters? Anybody like to get letters? I know some of you don't know what a letter is. Okay, this is is a letter, okay? Um, This is a letter, and I'll be honest with you, I still like getting letters. No, not all letters. I don't like getting bills, and I don't like getting advertisements. And you know what I really don't like is those letters that look like they're handwritten on the outside, you know, and you open them up and they still look handwritten, but it's an advertisement. They want to give you new windows or something. And the reason that advertisers try to make their letters look handwritten is because they know that we know if somebody took the time to took pen or pencil to paper, they care about us. And even when we get, you know, Christmas cards or birthday cards or other greeting cards, we hope that when we get them, that somebody who who took enough time to send us one of those also took enough time to write a personal note. 
Many decades ago, when I was a youth pastor, I used to do something after I would go to a concert or a sporting event for one of the teenagers, I would uh, take a postcard and I would write something like, Dear Todd, that was an awesome tackle you made in the third quarter of tonight's game. That quarterback's going to be filling that until next Tuesday. Grace and peace, Chris. And then I would put that in the mail and two things always happen. The next time I saw Todd, he would you know, get a big smile on his face and he would thank me profusely for that note. And then if I went to Todd's house, and this is, you know, like I said, 35 years ago, usually the youth pastor gets invited to the guy's room and he would on that, on the wall in his room or his bulletin board, there would be that postcard. I have even found postcards in scrapbooks of former students who are now middle-aged adults, those little postcards that I sent. And you know why they have them there? Because again, a handwritten note says, I care. This letter that I showed you, this letter was written on September 27th, 1960. It's from my mom to my grandma, Lita. She was writing about some party. I have no idea what the party was about because I was three years old when she wrote this note. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this letter to you. I'm not going to edit the grammar, but I just want you to hear. That it has great personal meaning and value to me. She's going to talk about baseball. There was a cartoon, but I, I never found the cartoon. Anyway, it says this. Dear Mother, just a note to tell you, I have your friends all invited. Chris just got cut. I asked him to put Tom's razor up. That was my older brother. And he wouldn't uh, listen. So uh, now he's mad at me because I didn't put it away. Tom must have took my pen to school. She's writing with a pencil. Uh, I can't find it anyway. Clyde is working, but only three and four days a week. But it's only a temporary slump, I hope. I don't know where I got my optimism. Um, I, wanted to, I, I wanted to send you this cartoon. I took a little cry when I read it. Funny how many happy memories I have that are tied in with baseball. Ken is hollering to get up, and Chris is crying with his cut. It's only a scratch, but you'd swear he had his whole hand cut off. Hope to see you Saturday. Love, Ruth. Okay, so what does that have to do with today's message? Actually, it has everything to do with today's message. You see, that was a handwritten letter. And the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, as all letters in those days, was a handwritten letter. And, and in fact, when Paul finished the letter at the very end, he, he wrote this. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Why did he say that? Because he wanted everybody to know this was not an advertisement. This was not a forgery. This was Paul the apostle. He was writing the letter because it was such an important matter. And the reality is, Paul, when he wrote that letter, he had no idea he was writing part of the Bible. But I can tell you this. What he did, he did with fervent prayer. And I'm not guessing. I know that because Paul always prayed before he did anything. Anyway, as he wrote the letter, and as you're going to see over the course of the summer, as you all go through this letter to the Galatians, you're going to see that Paul had a great facility with what we call the Old Testament. You can see that he was very concerned about these men and women in the city of Galatia who he had led to Jesus, but who were drifting away very quickly and following a false gospel. And this letter is unlike any letter that Paul wrote, because all the other letters when Paul wrote them, well, first of all, it started out the same as any letter. It has a greeting, then it has a body, then it has a closing. But when Paul wrote the greetings of most letters, he did several things. First, he said, this is from Paul. 
because he wanted them to know, you know, this is from the apostle who started your church. An apostle is just somebody that's sent out with a purpose from God. In this case, to preach the good news. In fact, the message today is going to be called the best news ever. So anyway, as Paul wrote the letters, after greeting the people and after saying something about Jesus or something about God the Father or both of them, he would then say, I miss you. I long to see you. I pray for you all the time. I love you. But he didn't say that in this letter. In fact, you could say when you read the letter to the Galatians, it's sort of like, hello, what the heck? I mean, it's really like that. I mean, I mean the, the thing is, Paul tells them that they are starting to drift away from the good news. And, and that's actually our take home point for today. Not all good news is truly good. Not all good news is truly good. Today, we're going to talk about the best news ever. And I want to give you a definition of what the best news ever is. Here it is. Jesus, the son of the living God, came to the earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on a Roman executioner's cross to pay the penalty for human sin. He rose from the dead to demonstrate God's power to change us. And he returned to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit so we can live in that power every single day. That is the best news ever. The Galatians had received that news gladly. And you're probably thinking, well, yeah, everybody would receive that news gladly, wouldn't they? But the thing you need to know about the Galatians is before Paul came to town, they were idol worshiping pagans. They hadn't heard about Jesus. In fact, in their everyday lives, you might say they were very religious. I would say they were very religious because every single day of their lives, they prayed to some carved metal, wooden, some kind of deity. They offered sacrifices, animal sacrifices. And the hope that they had was that this deity, and it could have been any of hundreds of gods or goddesses in the Roman pantheon, would give them something that they wanted or, or wouldn't do something bad in their lives. In fact, they also engaged in sexual activity as part of their religion because they thought as they did that, it was going to sort of coerce the gods or goddesses to give them something, whether it was fertility for their crops or so that they would be able to have children of their own. In any case, Paul comes on board and uh, he had been a Jewish religious leader. I think Pastor Rich talked about that a couple weeks ago. He was a Pharisee, one of the members of the strictest sects of the two strictest sects, the Essenes and the Pharisees, of the Jewish religion. And so he had come to this group who were Gentiles. Gentiles are anybody who are not Jews by background. I'm a Gentile by background. My family was not Jewish. I'm guessing most of us in the room are Gentiles today. Most of us watching online, probably Gentiles. Might be a few Jewish people by background, but Paul had gone to this town. In fact, when Paul had become a believer... Jesus had told him directly he was going to be the apostle, the one sent out to the Gentiles. And Paul had taken that message very, very seriously. He had shared the good news in Galatia. Many people had responded, and so the church began. After Paul left Galatia, something happened that often happened after Paul left a town. A group of people came in. We call them the Judaizers because they brought the Jewish law into play. What they said was, you know... Paul told you about the best news ever, the best news was about Jesus, he didn't get it right. You see, what Paul didn't tell you is, you can't just follow Jesus. It's not just Jesus, it's Jesus plus the Jewish law. You have to follow the Jewish law and follow Jesus, and then you will have it right. So as we're going to see in a moment, when Paul heard what was going on, he wrote a letter. 
He wasn't able to go back to Galatia. We don't know where he was exactly. We know one thing. It was very difficult to travel in those days. So maybe it was too far. Maybe he just had another commitment. Or he could have been in prison. Because Paul spent a lot of time in prison for telling people about Jesus. In any case, he wrote this letter. And after the usual greeting, telling people who he was, he said this. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Paul nearly always extended God's grace and peace to the readers of his letters. Now, why not peace and then grace? Because it never works that way. You either get grace and then the peace comes, or you don't get God's peace. This church is called Grace Collective. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is Jesus' forgiveness of our sins because his blood shed on the cross. And so Paul says grace and peace. And Paul goes a little bit more detail, into more detail than he usually does when he says Jesus gave his life for our sins. You see, we don't see it yet because we're very early in the letter. But what Paul is doing, Paul is telling these readers... It's Jesus, just Jesus, nothing else that brings salvation. It's not the Mosaic law, it's just Jesus. So, immediately after the, immediately after the greeting and words of blessing, Paul skipped all of his usual, I miss you, I love you so much, I'm praying for you always. And it's where, I, you know, I said, he gets this, what the heck? He says this, I am shocked. That's a pretty strong word. I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Now, if you've never read this letter before, you might be a little confused right now. I'm pretty sure that the Galatian believers were very confused. I mean, they knew that Paul loved them. They, at least they thought. They knew that Paul had shared the gospel with them. But he's saying, I'm shocked. And he's saying, you're following a different way that pretends to be the good news. Here's the thing. We don't know what that different way is yet. He hasn't told us yet what that different way is. He will in the weeks ahead. You'll be, you'll be talking about that. But this different way, we could call it maybe the fake good news. Not the real good news, but the fake good news. And uh, that's why the, the take-home point, which at New Life we have a, a point we take home with us every week. The take-home point is not all good news is truly good. So we're not going to read about the, the fake good news, but here's what we know. The true good news is this. It emphasizes Jesus' sacrifice to save us from sin and death. If you ever hear any other good news in your life that has nothing to do with Jesus or that doesn't have everything to do with Jesus you'll know that it's the fake good news. We could say the fake good news tells us that we have something to do with earning our salvation by what we do or how we behave. It's Jesus plus something we do. Paul was so upset at the Galatian believers. And the reason he was upset, he was afraid they were going to walk away from this faith that they had in Jesus. And, and instead of following Jesus, that they were going to bind themselves in slavery. He uses that term slavery to the law instead of the freedom that Jesus gave them. And Paul wasn't finished with his being shocked and with his, you know, what the heck? The next thing he says is this, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what I've said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. 
Now, don't you wish Paul would have told us what he really thought? Twice, Paul pronounces a curse. And he says, on myself, on an angel from heaven, on anybody who preaches any other gospel than, or good news than the one that I've already preached to you. Paul was so adamant about this, and there's a reason why he was. It goes back to his heritage. He was a Pharisee. Paul knew what it was like to live your life day after day, moment by moment, seeking to do everything you can to please God, to follow the rules, to do it the right way. I mean, that's how Paul lived. In fact, in his letter to a church in Philippi, he said this about his own efforts. He says, we put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And then this, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Paul says he was perfect. He was perfect in obeying the Jewish law. And yet he said, that's not the good news. The good news is Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. That's what Paul was telling the Galatians. Paul wanted everyone to understand that the good news has nothing whatsoever to do with our goodness. And you know what? That's hard for Americans to hear. And I think it's really hard for Americans who have been born since the turn of the 21st century to hear. And I know there are some of you in the room here today. The reason I say it's especially hard is because we live in a culture that tells us that we're all basically good. Yeah, we have a few things wrong, maybe a little tweak here and there, maybe a little counseling, but we'll be fine. Or we live in a culture that says there is no such thing as good or bad. It's either, yeah, we're all good, basically, or there's, you know, we're just chem chemical impulses and electrical, you know, impulses. We're, we really don't. There is no good or bad. But here's what Paul says. Paul tells us that the good news starts with some really bad news. The bad news is we are not good. And we will never become good enough in our own efforts. We are not good and we're never going to become good enough in our own efforts. You know, everybody, it seems like it, that I've found, loves to hear a story about somebody who comes from a bad family background or difficult circumstances and, you know, they become a success. We all like those kind of stories. And the thing is, when we have those kind of stories in our mind and we start thinking about Jesus and the gospel, here's the thing that we can think. Well, you know, I'm not really good enough, but maybe if I pray a little bit more, maybe if I give a little bit more, maybe if I serve a little bit more, I won't be perfect, but maybe God will say, no, that's good enough. And if God were like us, it probably would be good enough. But here's the thing. God isn't like us. God is perfect. And God demands perfection. And if you're thinking, wait a minute, Chris, nobody's perfect. Well, then you're 99.9999999, a lot of nine percent right. But there was one person who was perfect, Jesus. Jesus came to the earth. The son of the living God became a human being and lived the only perfect life that was ever lived so that he could exchange that life. He could give it up freely and pay the penalty that we owed for our sin. And Paul, um, Paul wanted the Galatians to understand this isn't about the Mosaic law. This isn't about any law. This is about Jesus. Now, what does that have to do with us? It has everything in the world to do with us because in all of human history, there have only been three ways that people have found to live. Okay, 
you know, how some people say, you know, there's only two different kinds of people, the one who say there's two different kinds of people and the one who say there aren't. Well, there's three. <laughs> there's three ways that we live. And the first way that people have tried to live, Paul tells us about in chapter 5. In fact, we're going to skip over to chapter 5 of Galatians. We're going to look at verse 1. Paul writes these words. He said, so Christ has truly set us free. Let that sink in for a minute. So Christ has truly set us free. And then he says, now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So throughout history, there have been people who have got tied up in the law. Now, maybe not the law of Moses, Maybe it's the law of another religion, or maybe it's the law of the land in which they live, or maybe it's just some law that they made up, their own credo for living. But basically what they say is simply this. Some people live by this motto, I do what's right. That's how I live. I do what's right. Now, we don't want to diss that, right? I mean, I mean, Jesus told us that we're supposed to do everything that he commanded. So doing the right thing is a good thing. But doing the right thing as a matter of law as uh, of legalism where the law becomes the master and we become slaves to it is not good and that's what paul was telling the galatian believers and the interesting thing about the galatian believers think about it before paul came to town they probably never heard of the jewish law they probably hadn't heard of it because they were following you know the pantheon of roman gods and goddesses they were sacrificing idols their their religion had you know i guess there was right and wrong in it but it was nothing like the moral code of Moses. And so Paul says, don't live that way. Now, Paul gives us an opposite extreme. He says, sometimes people don't live that way. They live this way. And this is what he says. We live sometimes according to our sinful natures. Paul writes it this way. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and in case he missed one, other sins like these. <laughs> Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, those who live this way say, I do what I want because I'm in control. You see, those people say, I do what's right. They live by the law. The people over here say, I do what I want, anything I want, because I'm in control. And guess what? We live in a culture that says, go for it. We live in a culture that says, yeah, I mean, if it makes you feel good, then it has to be good. And the interesting thing is, Paul's culture, the Roman culture, it was just like that. They, they did whatever they wanted. And the interesting thing is, for them, sexual immorality was part of their religion. So they had that going for them. So there's this extreme over here. I am going to do what's right. I'm going to live according to the rules. And then over here, we have the people say, I don't like rules. I'm not going to do the rules. I'm going to do whatever I want because I'm in control. And Paul says, okay, those are two ways to live, but there's a third option. You don't have to live in slavery to the law and you don't have to do whatever you feel like doing. In fact, what Paul says is, here's the third option. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. So when... when <laughs> When we live our lives in a different way, when we let the Holy Spirit guide our lives, what happens is we will exercise our freedom in Jesus 
in ways that honor God and blesses others. Notice that Paul told us that the sinful nature and the Holy Spirit are always at war. That doesn't change after Jesus becomes Lord and Savior in our lives. For the rest of our lives, there's this battle going on between our sinful desires and the Holy Spirit, actually, and this desire to be in control. So the, the reality that we have to, to look at as we're thinking about Holy Spirit and sinful desire, Chris Marshall, the Holy Spirit, first thing we need to know is who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person of we call the Trinity. God is made up of one God in three persons. Father, the creator of everything. We, you know, Pastor Rich prayed, God, you're a good father. So we have God the Father, Jesus, who is God who came in the flesh here on earth, who died on the cross, rose from the dead, returned to heaven. And actually the scripture says he is right now praying for us. You can read that in Romans 8. And then you have the Holy Spirit who is God's presence in us right now. Jesus said that we needed to be born again. And he said that to a man named Nicodemus, who was a Jewish religious leader. And when he said that, he said, you know, Nicodemus, you need to be born of water and the spirit. To put that simply, what that means is we need to be born physically, which all of us here have been, and you need to be born spiritually. And the Holy Spirit comes into our lives when Jesus becomes Lord and Savior in our lives. So that's what Paul was talking about. And Paul told another group of people in a place called Ephesus that we not only need to be filled with the Holy Spirit one time, but he said we need to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's in Ephesians 5.18. It says this, don't get drunk with wine, which will ruin your life, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I translated that be being filled. Notice it says MOT translation. Oh, they took it out. At the very end, they probably took it out because they said, what the heck is MOT? It means my own translation. <laughs> I, I studied Greek in seminary, and I know what the translate. I know what the Greek says there it, when it says "be being filled with the Holy Spirit." It's a present passive imperative. I know you don't care about this, but it's a present. It's a present, which means it's ongoing, not just one time, but many times. It's a passive. It doesn't say fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit, be filled. So it's a passive. And then it's an imperative. What's up with that? I mean, imperative is a command. How can we be commanded to do something we can't do? The answer is, all we can do is go like this. I open myself. And when I open myself, and I, I see how I do this. Every day I do this. I ask God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. When he, well, I want him to come in, I don't, and I make a funnel because I don't want him to leak out. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't leak, but I do. That's the problem. Okay, so we're supposed to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So for many years, I read that verse that we just read about this battle going on between the Holy Spirit and the sinful desires. And I said, if Chris Marshall and the Holy Spirit have a battle... How can the Holy Spirit ever lose? He's God. How can the Holy Spirit lose a battle between him and me? And here's the important answer. The Holy Spirit will never force or manipulate us to do anything. You need to understand that. The Holy Spirit will never force or manipulate us to do anything. I said I was talking about the best news ever. You know, the best news ever is that Jesus, the perfect son of the living God, died and rose again, returned to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit to us. But you know what? He will never force us to do anything. Not one thing. That's part of the best news ever. It isn't something where we're manipulated like robots to do whatever. We get to live this life that's just Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so to experience the best news ever, all we have to do is one thing. We have to submit to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. 
if we want to have this life that we're talking about today, we have to submit to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. You know, living this way over here by what's right, or living this way over here by whatever I want to do, they have something in common. In both of those cases, we think we're in control. You see, if I live this way, and I live by the rules, what I'm, th what I'm saying is God, or karma, or Mother Nature, or somebody, I'm doing the right thing, so you owe me a good life. I think I'm in control. Over here, I think I'm in control, control because I'm doing what I want to do. But what Paul understood, in fact, in all the letters that Paul wrote, except for this one, he starts off by saying, Paul, a servant or a slave of Jesus Christ. He waits until verse 10 of chapter 1 to say these words to the Galatian believers. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Do you see what he just said? Servant. Doulos, it means servant or slave. Paul said, if I were trying to please people, which would be following the law or the rules, I wouldn't be following Jesus. I wouldn't be his servant. If I were doing what I wanted to do, I wouldn't be following Jesus. But here's the amazing reality. The best news ever is we can be free from this life over here and that life over there if we will submit our lives to Jesus Christ and we'll receive the true freedom of serving him. That's when we're free. And that's what you all are going to see as you go throughout this summer and work your way through the book of Galatians. You're going to see how Paul makes it so clear that we don't get to live according to the law, or have to, I should say. We don't have to live according to the law, and we don't have to live in slavery to our own impulses. But we get to live in servanthood or slavery to Jesus. But he died to set us free. He wants what's best for us. So if you want to experience the best news ever, it starts with trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord, which Savior means rescuer from sin and death. That's what he's saving us from. Lord, it means very simply, owner, master. He gets to be the one in charge of our lives. Now, if you've never done that before, if you've never trusted Jesus, Savior and Lord in your life, Pastor Rich is going to give you the opportunity to do that when I'm done here in just a minute. If you've already trusted Jesus, Savior and Lord, remember, the best news ever is relying on Jesus alone. Or as, you know, the bumper says, just Jesus. As you live by submitting to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life every single day, you will experience a life that no one else can ever live. It's the best life you can ever live. So today, uh, I understand you have what's called a, a weekly ask here, something to do. That when you come to worship together, as you leave, the idea is, well, let's put something into practice that we were talking about today. So here's this week's weekly ask. I will live in Jesus' freedom this week by starting each day submitting to the Holy Spirit's leading. It's so simple. It's not easy. But it's simple. You just wake up in the morning and you just say, Lord Jesus, I submit myself to you, to your Holy Spirit. To your, I, I, I just include all three. To you, God the Father, I submit my life to you. And as we do that, we won't just know about the best news ever, but we will be living it. Amen. Friends, you've just heard Pastor Chris tell us about the best news ever. And here we are on Father's Day, inviting you 
to surrender, submit your life to Jesus, to, to the one who is the good, good father of heaven and also on earth. Now, the thing is, we're not, we're not inviting you, we're not asking for victory in your life. Instead, we're inviting you to step into the victory that your good, good father already provides for your life. And in case you're worried about making a big decision, like this is a huge first big step, let me remind you that God's love already made the first step. He has everything set and his heart is ready. And today, maybe you're sitting here, maybe you're watching online and your life, you know your life has already been derailed by the distractions of your own selfish desires or sinful desires or maybe your life's been derailed or distracted by just wanting to do everything right all the time and you're trying to live up to the law and you're not perfect. You know you're not perfect and it's just eating away at you. Just put all that stuff away for a few moments. Let's remember that God has done what needs to be done. There's nothing you can add to that. That's why this is the best news he has made a way where there was no way. That where you are right in your sin. He looked at you and said, man, you're a mess. But I love you so much even though you're a mess. I love you so much. I will never stop telling you. I will never stop pursuing you. I will never stop inviting you. I will never stop loving you. And today, on Father's Day, you have a good heavenly Father
best news ever. So Lord, today I'm willing to go for it. I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to say, Jesus, I don't get it, but I want you to get me. So just show me what I need to do. And I start by humbly saying, Jesus, I want you and I know that I need you. And I will take the next step and the next step and the next step as you show me what those are. But for right now, I just need you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In the name above all names, Jesus, our rescuer, our Christ. Amen. Amen. If you just prayed that or something like that along with me, then we would love to know that. Would you take time this week to text us or email us or call us and say, I was with you in that. I was there in person or I was online and or maybe you're watching this, you know, later, a couple weeks later, and you're like, it's still fresh, right? The good news never fades. The good news never goes rotten. It's still good. Months and years later, let us know. And let us know how we can step beside you in this new walk of life for you. Now, whether you've made this decision already or you just made it today, what we want to do is just give God some glory and tell him and what he's done we're thankful for and so we're about to get into some worship Kylie and the team are going to lead us in worship and this next song we're about to sing talks about this amazing beautiful wonderful name the powerful name of Jesus so if you've made the decision to follow Jesus and at any point in your life this is the time to give him glory what do you say we raise the roof telling God how much we love him. Let's start by giving him some clapping and some, some praise and some glory. Go ahead, shout it out. Jesus, thank you. Shout out, woo, Jesus. Get some glory going for Jesus today. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus, everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.